Welcome to Church at the Vineyard Sermon of the Week with Colton Penrod. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you this week to know Jesus, press into freedom, discover the new, and pour into the world. I'm very, very thankful for these two guys coming up, and they're going to be given portions of their testimony. They're going, we're going to ask them questions, and you will see very directly and quickly why we're doing this and how we're doing this, but uh, I'm just going to give you guys the floor for about two, three minutes each, and y'all kind of just tell your uh, testimony behind it. Yeah. There you go. So um, I, was, uh, I, was in bondage, I was in meth addiction. I was in bondage for over 10 years. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, I actually... Uh, my lifestyle led me to a place to where I was looking at a uh, at a 15-year sentence by the grace of God and um, by the by the grace and mercy of the courts. Really, I was allowed to go to this program. It's called Adult and Teen Challenge of the Mid South, um, and it's a discipleship program, a year-long discipleship program. When I got there, my first month there, this guy had already been there months, months eight months. He was actually a leader. Uh, to me, he actually, if he wasn't coming by checking on me every single day, uh, encouraging me, I might have left and decided to go back to jail instead of stay at this place because that's how in the world I was. But yeah, I had the privilege of meeting Alfredo at Adult and Teen Challenge where we were both discipled uh, by godly men in the ways of Christ and uh, was, able, was able to experience freedom because I seen it in someone else. So yeah. So I got. It'll ring if we turn them both on. But uh, so a little bit about my story. Y'all know Susanna. Give it up for Susanna, my wife, everybody. She's awesome. Uh, we have uh, three beautiful daughters. Um, I struggled with a heroin addiction and a cocaine addiction also. Um, and I went to Teen Challenge as well. I was looking at anywhere from eight to 80 years in prison at, at one point. And uh, even when I wasn't looking at God, he still came through for me. Because um, I, I didn't give him any credit for not getting that sentence. Um, it's it's kind of crazy how my story unravels. And I think Anthony and I were both talking about how it would take at least an hour for each of us to even get give it justice. Um, but... So I ended up going to this place, Adult and Teen Challenge of the Mid-South, and while I was there, I had an encounter with Jesus. Um, he was always just, you know, this guy, this religious guy that uh, you heard about at church, but he, there was nothing really personal between me and him, and I had, an, I had this encounter with him, and it led to a relationship, um, and I just fell in love with who he was and who he said I was. And I, I just kept on telling myself every day when I was in addiction, I would tell myself, I can't get out of this, like I'm bound. I, I just can't move out of where I am right now. And I, I just had thoughts of depression and suicide and anxiety and worthlessness and hopelessness. And I, I even attempted to kind of kill myself at one point. Um, and I found out that, that Jesus said something different about me, that he loved me. And I think that's one of our biggest problems is that we don't recognize that he loves us no matter what. Um, so if you're in here today, know that you're free. You're not in bondage. I don't care if you were looking at pornography last night. You're free. You're not in bondage. I don't care if you came off a bender last weekend from drinking so much alcohol it could have made a horse drunk. You're free. You're not in bondage. Say you're free. Look at your neighbor and say you're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. So uh, I think they got some questions for us. We'll let them kick that off. Okay, so the first question, um, and y'all can both answer, based off of your experience, what is addiction in your own words? Addiction is a byproduct of a deeper issue. Uh, so often, um, you know, addiction is you, you can get someone sober, someone can get sober, but if they're not filling that void with the one true thing that can be filled, they're gonna just be addicted to something else. Um, so my short answer is <clears throat> addiction is just a byproduct 
of a deeper rooted issue. Um, yeah, I'll add to that. Addictions, all, all addiction really is, is it's behavior. Um, it's just a behavior that you continue to do to fulfill something that's empty inside you. And you continue to feed it and feed it and feed it and feed it and you, you never get fulfilled so you feed it some more and you keep on feeding it. And I think that's such a, I think it's going to lead into our second question. So I'll let you ask the second question real quick. So how can we as the church practically actually break the stigma of addiction? Well, the, nobody wants to talk about it. I mean, nobody's coming to church and be like, hey, I, you know, I'm struggling with pornography. Can you help me? Uh, or, hey, you know, I just did some dope last night. Can you help me? Nobody does that because everybody feels like they can't talk about their problems. They can't talk about what's really going on inside their homes or inside their heart or inside their mind because, hey, we can't do that. And it, it's no different than what was happening in the Bible. Because if you look in the Bible, you know, you've got, you've got the Pharisees in there and all they're looking at is behavior. And Jesus did something different. He said, no, I'm not looking at your behavior. If he was looking at behavior, all the disciples would have never been picked. He was looking at the heart. He's looking at what's in here, not what you're actually doing. Uh, you add to that. Add to that. So I think uh, the stigma, not just with the church, but really with people, period, is that, uh, man, addiction, man, that's, that's their fault. They're doing it to themselves. You know, like they got to be, and you're right, it's selfish. Like it is selfish behavior. Selfish behavior is a reflection of a self-centered person. And self-centered person or people become their own God. And any time that we are stepping outside of the principles, the teachings, the ways of Christ, we are saying, whether we realize it or not, is God, my way is better. That's me being my own God. And I think the best way to break the stigma amongst the believers is for us to realize that at times we're all trying to be our own God. You know, tell truth with one another. Lying. That's saying, God, my way is better than yours. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the conviction that gets us back in the line. But that's really all that an addict is doing. An addict is using drugs to find peace, joy, community. Community. There is a community amongst those, and it all starts out. How many people in here know that, it, that the enemy knows how to get at you? He starts small. Huh? Like he's, he's sneaky. Like at first, it's, hey, man, it's not like, well, everybody's doing it. No, there's a sense of community. I remember the first time I experienced marijuana, uh, man, there was a bond. With some great people. But we're all meant for community and for relationship. And if we find that with a, any other common denominator other than Jesus Christ, it could be a misleading relationship. That, that's it. That's it. When we, want, we need joy. So when we're having a hard day and we're dealing with a lot of stress and this and that, a lot of people use drugs to find joy. Okay? Uh, it can even get into an identity issue. Uh, you know, like, so work. Us as men, we talked about this yesterday, us as men, we have the <clears throat> problem of identifying with our jobs. Like, we offer security with it. It's what we do. What are you? I'm a superintendent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's make sure I'm not a superintendent before I'm a child of God. Yeah. Okay? Like, so, well, what, what's your income? It don't matter. My God is my provider. My job's not. And people who find their identity and provisions in their job are workaholics. So in order to break the stigma amongst the church, anything that we use or depend on other than God, only God can give us joy, peace, and identity and provisions. Anything that we depend on other than that is an addiction. And don't get me wrong, I completely believe in codependency. How many people here heard the word codependency? Codependency, bad, okay, right? Can I get an amen? All right. You want to know why codependency is bad? Because most of the time people are talking about a person being codependent on a drug or on a person. But when we are codependent on God, it's not bad. So even the codependency is us having a natural desire created in us, okay, to depend on something because God created us. Andrew Murray said that the definition of humility is a complete 
a realization of dependence on God. And God and Jesus' greater characteristic was humility. We were created to be dependent on God. So technically, people who were doing drugs, um, they're just like all of us. We're all looking for joy, peace, community, relationship, and uh, they've just found it in the wrong thing. And drug is the byproduct because they don't have God. Here, I'm sorry, I took way too long. No, you're good, you're good. No. As, oh gosh, as a social worker standpoint, um, just want to say this, that the chemical reactions in your brain, whenever it happens, I'm about to get all nerdy for y'all, but uh, the chemical reactions, the same as getting high on cocaine, you can experience the same high in the Holy Spirit. And so um, what's sad is that it usually always starts with something, I guess you would call smaller addiction, and like a get into something greater. And so this is my passion, so I'm about to speak on it for just a second, but um, there is actually um, a new drug that they have released, and it's um, sexually abusing a child to the point of where their their reactions are, what was like a, how do you say that word, Adrenaline. Sorry, I can't say that word. I get tongue-tied. And they're actually, when they're getting the child to them being the most scared, they're killing the child and taking the blood and using it as a drug because there's always a want for more. There's always a want for more. And so I don't know if y'all want to speak on this for just a second. I didn't, it's not in the questions, but yeah. have you ever been to that point where you couldn't get enough of yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. Towards the end of my addiction, I wasn't even getting high. I was just trying to feel normal. Like, that's, I mean, that, that's as real as it gets. I was just trying to feel normal because my normal was high. It wasn't, it wasn't not high. Um, I could never get enough. I mean, whether I had $50 or I had $5,000, it was going down. Like, I, I needed all of it all at once. No holding back. One of the things my dad told me, and it was probably... Early on, while I was trying to come out of addiction, because this started like 13 years ago, you know. Well, really, if we want to talk about it, started younger than that. Um, he told me, son, if you give the devil your finger, he's not going to just take your hand. He's not going to just take your arm. He's going to take your whole body. And that's, that's one of the things we do is we think that, oh, man, if I can just have just this much, it's going to do what I want it to do. If I can just smoke that one joint, it's going to do what I want it to do. Before you know it, you're putting needles in your arms and somebody's calling the ambulance because you're dead or you're about to die. And that's how progressive really all sin is. I mean... It's no different than it's no different than somebody who's looking at pornography. Now all of a sudden they're sorry to be crude, but raping people. You know, it's it's where it leads to. I mean, it's not. This isn't a Barney session. It's not roses. I mean, it's not just all peachy. Um, what what's your experience, Anthony? My experience, as far as always wanting and needing more, is. Is absolutely that's actually the I don't know what catch 22 or uh, like a lot of the behavioral like you know I did I was uh, doing math for a few years before people knew you know it was like it was like oh that's just his personality oh he's just a thinker oh he just talks like which is true <laughs> um, <laughs> I do but you know they were like that's just his personality well after so long you can't hide it and that's a reflection of the always more, because if it's satisfied and it fulfilled, um, there wouldn't be a negative outcome. And that's how the enemy works with addiction, okay? And like Alfredo said, with all sin is, and it's so easy to accidentally fall into it. You know, scripture says that not everything is beneficial, you know, and to be a slave to nothing. I'm not really talking about sin or this or that in that scripture. He's just talking about like all things are permissible, but not beneficial. Okay, so what does that mean? In my mind, to the addict, like, is smoking weed a sin? Let me ask you something. Is it beneficial? Yeah. Huh? Like, what's the tactic? Are you going to be able to connect with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Or is it going to open up an avenue for something else to seem okay later? 
So that's the tactic. It's not, you know, sin or this or that. It's, is it beneficial? And, and here's how I gauge it. You know what the counterpart of happiness is? Sadness. That's how we know what happiness is. It's a yin and a yang. We would not know what happy was without sadness. Okay, and happy can come from a good relationship. It can come from our kids. It can come from success. But there's going to be sadness on the other side. Okay, what we're all looking for is joy. Because joy has no counterpart. You know why? Because it comes from God. Okay, and that's fulfilling. Okay, that's fulfilling. So, you know, a lot of people are just out here looking to be happy when really they're looking for joy. And, and, it's, and it's, the same, it's the same concept. So when I am fulfilled, okay, there is no wanting anymore. So Paul said, I, I have learned to become content in all yeah. things. Yeah. So peace and contentment is fulfillment. And if you're not feeling that, you might want to check where you're getting your uh, necessities from. Joy, peace, identity. That's good. I get confused. Okay, so last question. We'll make it short. Uh, the pastor's wife got us off topic no, I'm just kidding uh, what advice would you give someone who is going through addiction right now in the room you're not alone <laughs> you really aren't alone uh, that's the thing everybody feels like they're alone they're, only, they're the only ones struggling um, and you're not alone and the advice I would give is reach out to me because I promise you I am not going to judge you I mean, like I said, I was looking at 80 years in prison. I've overdosed more times than I can count on my hands. Like, I shouldn't even be here right now. There's more bad things that I've done, and not just drugs. I've done other things that are terrible. Um, come, talk to, come talk to me. Come talk to Anthony. Come talk to Pastor Colton. I guarantee you he will be re- receive you with love. Um, I tell you what not to do is to keep on telling yourself that you're defeated. Because yeah. that's what you do. You say, I'm defeated. I can't get out of this. I've tried before. Every time I try, it never works. That's what I told myself. It won't work. I've tried this. I've been to that rehab. I've been to this rehab. I went to a rehab one time that was $30,000 a month. Yeah, somebody was like, hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. You know why it didn't work? There was no joy there. There was no God there. It was the God that you wanted to make up. I already had a God. His name was heroin. Like, (laughs) come on. Add to that. So, (laughs) I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to keep your uh, your words honorable and be (laughs) be as quickly as possible. If there's anybody that's going through addiction right now, I want to let you know. I want to remind you what truth. Truth is the only thing that'll set you free, and who who it sets free is free indeed. Amen. Okay, first of all, if you're in this room and you're suffering with addiction, today is a divine appointment. Don't miss it. Okay, God orchestrated all of this up. I'm from Chattanooga. He's from somewhere else. Me and him met like a month ago, and it's just complete. And being, we like God has orchestrated this here today. It is up to you to respond to the call. Okay, no matter what that addiction is. Number two, if somebody in here is going through addiction, I want to encourage you that the tactic in the that the tactics of the enemy have been revealed to us by the Spirit. Okay, there is no new tactic underneath the sun. Okay, we know his game plan. Okay, isolation is a trick. Shame is a lie. Guilt. Guilt must flee in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I ask that you obey what the scripture says and take what is in the dark and bring it to the light. Okay? If it, if it is in the dark, it cannot be healed. That's why Christ wants you to bring it to the light. And I will say this. You are in a church with a loving community that has the boldness to talk about this issue on stage. So, therefore, you have a room full of light to bring it out into today. Come on. And anybody else in the room, we're all affected and impacted by addiction. If you're not suffering with some form of addiction in here, it's either, A, you don't understand what addiction really means. We could be addicted to everything, anything. Uh, you know, everything, like online shopping, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see the women in the back running. The back, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I, I, Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, caffeine. But anyways, but, but in, or... Or you know somebody who has been affected by addiction, 
and God wants to minister to you. So my next step of advice is what me and Alfredo experienced was when we got into a group of people who were filled with the Holy Spirit and pursuing God, and they took the time to disciple us. We were given the principles, the ways, and the truth. We were around people who could hold us accountable. Okay, and they exampled how to live that. Now, through accountability, bruh, don't go in that store. I know what you're about to get. Like, hey, man, you want me to stop by the store? What for? Uh-huh. Huh, you got a Gatorade <laughs> sitting right there. I already know what you're doing. You're getting a drink. We need accountability. Yeah. We need accountability. That's why he created relationship in the yeah. brotherhood. Yeah. So put yourself around some accountable people. Number two, get discipled. That's it. We were discipled. The ways and the teachings of Christ. And then we surrendered to those and said, okay, God, we're going to test you. That's good. And then when we did... Stop, I'm sorry. And when, and when, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I'm landing it. I'm landing it. I'm landing it. Okay, I'm landing it. But when we start exampling the principles of God, we start walking in the promises of God. And when you start walking in the promises of God, you see a man who was sentenced to 15 years, okay, and the courts call him in two years, say, man, I heard what you was doing. I heard what God was doing in your life. Come see me when you come into town. I went into town and by... A miracle. They acquitted my sentence, expunged my record so I could get into ministry, and did away with my pros like it never happened 15 years. And it is only because I got around a community of believers that was willing to pour in and walk with me. And then I learned the teachings of Christ, and I acted on them, and then I'm walking in the promises today. So I would encourage you to do that. Bring it out to the light. Walk with these people. And the number one problem in the church, I'm about to say it, is discipleship. Okay? We need people in our church that's willing to walk. What does discipleship mean? Jesus walked with them for three years, had no stone to lay their head. They got down. But he loved them for their heart, not their... And when we walk through life with people, we'll start seeing change broken. We'll start seeing revival in our homes and our churches, and we'll take over our towns and communities. So everybody say discipleship. Start September 1st at 7 o'clock. That's good. Y'all give it up for these guys and thank them for coming out. Look at your neighbor and say, we still have the word. (laughs) If y'all want to stand up and stretch or (laughs) we need a bathroom break, I don't know, but... (laughs) Um, let's just pray real quick Father I just thank you for Colton and what you're about to speak through him and Jesus I just pray that the hearts are touched and congregation I just want to warn you again there are going to be things that are mentioned that you might not hear from anywhere else from but you're hearing outside of the church so I just want you to be awakened and know that this is coming from Colton's heart from the word of Jesus and this is something that he's asked him to do so y'all just take it with open ears and open your hearts and your minds this morning let's give it up for them again let's that that was awesome That's so good. Thank you, man. Uh, So what we've got this morning, as far as a message, and I'm not going to keep you all long. I'm not going to try and uh, just repeat everything that they've said because, like I said, Anthony just went ahead and preached. No, no, you're good. I promise. I promise. I loved it. I loved it. That's what we wanted. That's what we need. Um, So first half of this message is really going to be educational. It's going to be just straight teaching in all reality, uh, and then I'm going to bring in scripture on behind this and let you guys understand that there is freedom on the other side if you're suffering. Uh, there's absolute, complete, 100% freedom on the other side if you are suffering through any type of addiction. So I'm going to go over two specific areas, and it's called chemical addiction and behavioral addiction, if we wanted to split them up into two categories. And those are the two categories that I'm going to split them up into. But I also want to just give you the definition, according to Webster, on what addiction is. And this is according to Webster's Dictionary. This is not like according to, uh, you know, just some random Billy Bob Joe preacher trying to say this. This is actually without any spiritual aspect to this definition, okay? So take that into mind. But without spiritual definition, this is a treatable, treatable, I'm going to say that again, that's a treatable, 
Chronic medical disease involving complex interactions among brain circuits, genetics, the environment, and an individual's life experiences. People with addiction use substances or engage in behaviors that become compulsive and also often continue despite harmful consequences. So sometimes they'll keep on going. Sometimes they'll keep on trucking through. You may, you may just struggle with them constantly. There are four stages to addiction. The first stage is experimentation, which is just... You do it out of curiosity. You might, you're just curious. The second one is social or regular. So you use it in social situations or for social reasons. Then the third is problem or risk. You engage in an extreme way with disregard for the consequences of it. And then there's dependency, which you engage in a behavior on a daily basis or several times per day, despite the possible negative consequences. Uh, so I could say there's one thing that I have to agree with them on is that many people probably, if not all, have some form of addiction. And mine is definitely Dr. Pepper. Can anybody say amen? Okay. I, I felt, like, felt like a praise break all of a sudden come out. But, uh, and I kid with India all the time. I was like, I thank God for Dr. Pepper because there's no telling what else it would be if, if I didn't have my Dr. Pepper. Um, and I, I say that jokingly, but I also say that seriously. Because like I have said before, prior to even talking, that it, it's a very uh, sensitive subject for me and it's a very um, honest subject for me to talk about addiction and that it can absolutely destroy. It can destroy families. Uh, it can destroy fam- uh, marriages. It can s- destroy relationships with your kids. And there was so much guilt, and I'm going to speak just from kind of my own personal standpoint, there was so much guilt that I had about like being so ticked off at my dad that when he passed away, that was honestly, yes, I missed him, but I think the reason that I cried the most is because there was so much guilt associated with it. And, I was, and I've never, ever released this to anybody, not even my wife. Well, I've released some of this to my wife before. But just the guilt that came with it and standing behind a pulpit and preaching his funeral and all, all of this, like I just remember specifically the guilt, like why did I have to be so angry with him? Because that's not the scripture that I read. That's not the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. So I'm talking to the church in this moment right now that if you are dealing with those type of things on the other side of the table to where you're not addicted to anything, but someone in your family is and you've prayed and prayed and prayed for years and years and years and years and you don't see anything but you see it getting worse, don't let anger seep in. Don't let it come in. Don't let it, don't let it attack you. Don't let it... Uh, put its claws in your heart because whether you believe it or not, if you are consistently angry at someone, that's actually addiction to anger and that's an addiction to self. Okay, so you may say, you may say, no, I'm not addicted to anything and I don't do anything bad. Like I'm not, I'm not addicted to heroin like, like Alfredo was, but you're cons- consistently angry and ticked off at somebody else who's hurt you. You're addicted to self and anger. Okay, so that, that's just the truth behind the matter of it. So I, and I've been reading in Romans recently, and uh, this uh, devotion, that it puts it like in a courtroom in a drama-type setting, and the religious people are at, at the jury. They're standing in the jury. So they are the jurors at the moment. Uh, but Jesus, tur- or Paul turns around and is like, all right, I'm coming after you too because you were up there judging. But if you judge like that, you're only casting judgment on yourself. So anytime that you portray anger onto someone else who is going through something difficult yourself, you might want to get to the foot of the cross again. Okay? Because that's just an addiction to anger and to self as well. Um, so the two main addictions in the world right now are talking about chemical addiction and behavioral addiction. So a chemical addiction can actually rewire your brain to believe certain things in certain ways. Did y'all know that? A lot of you probably actually knew that addictions can rewire your brain. I've been talking about the four steps into rewiring your neuropathways inside your brain so that you can have different thoughts. So if you're dealing with depression and you constantly tell yourself, well, I'll never be good enough, if you stop yourself in the middle of the sentence and you say something else that may be positive about yourself that you might not believe yet, if you do that for at least 63 days, you can create a new neuropathway in your brain to destroy the one thought that is actually causing your depression. 
Okay? I also brought out the statistic of if you create these new neuropathways and you continue with this for years, the statistics showed that you could relieve depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety by 83% per individual subject. Not Let's say that there's 100 people in here. I'm not talking about 83 people in here would receive success off of it. No, I'm talking about all 100 people that participated in it would relieve that type of mentality by 83%. That's a risk that I'm willing to take. That, that's, a, that's a thought process that I'm willing to take. And it's a little hard. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. I'm not up here preaching to you saying that it's easy by any means. I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is easy because it's hard. But I'm here to tell you that once you become addicted to Jesus, other things start happening. Okay. So, and you may say that sounds so cliche, but it's the truth. I've brought this out many times. I'm a registered behavior technician. One of the things that I did for five years as a registered behavior technician is I would take students, specifically with autism and multiple disabilities, and if they had one behavior, I would try and replace it with another behavior. I stayed one-on-one with one kid for about two years. When I first had him, he hit me three to 500 times in the first week. By the last six months, he had not hit me once. because You want to know why? Because we figured out a way to replace the behavior because he, could, he was not verbal. He could not speak. He could not get out what he was wanting. So he was hitting me trying to communicate with what he wanted. But instead of hitting, I would ignore the fact of, okay, this terrible behavior is happening. But in the instance, in the twinkle of an eye, if he did something good, I would immediately shout the praises on the mountaintop of you doing something good. And what was happening is is that when he stopped receiving the stimulus from hitting that he was getting prior to me, and he started receiving the stimulus of something good, oh, y'all better follow me. So when we're, when we're going after to the things that are chemically bound, binding and uh, behaviorally binding, such as pornography and sex addiction, and we begin to see that the same high that we can get off of those drugs and off of the, the porn or the sex act, and we can get the same high off of Jesus, and we replace that high with Jesus, we see a replacement behavior happen. I, I'm just talking science now. I've not even brought out the actual scripture behind all of this. You say, you sound like you're talking crazy. No, I've seen students literally who could not talk, who ended up talking because I decided and was forced at first. I didn't believe in it at first, y'all. I'm being serious. This woman comes into this room and she says, you ignore every single hit. You don't even make a bad face. I'm like, woman, this nine-year-old is almost as tall as me. I'm about to throw down with this kid. Don't tell me to ignore what he's doing. If I would have done that, my butt would have been blistered all the way down Gilliland Road, all the way to the church house. Get yourself in the altar. Once you get right with Jesus, I'm going to blister you all the way back to the car. She's telling, telling me to ignore what this kid is doing, hitting me like this, and I'm a teacher. All my pride rose up that first week. I can't believe this woman's doing this to me this way. But is that not the exact same thing that Jesus Christ did for us? It's the exact same thing that Jesus Christ did for us. He said, okay, I understand you're sinning against me, but, but I love you. I'm still going to take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your sentence. I, I understand that, yes, you're doing with this thing and you're dealing with this thing, but, but I'll, I'll take your sentence. I, I'll take what you deserve. I'll take, I, Colton, I'll take what you deserve. So a replacement behavior. One thing that, um, I'm like so adamant about as a, as a pastor, and you're not going to hear many pastors say this, is like replacement addictions. I'm so adamant about it because it is just, it's just true. When if, we go from, if we go from heroin to, to cigarettes as an addiction, praise God. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. Y'all don't want to hear that. If we, if we can go from this to, to, to this, Praise God. Y'all are like, well, that doesn't sound like freedom. It's headed right in the direction of freedom. It's time that the church celebrates any progress. Because because the religious people up here over in the jury seat, they're sitting over here typing up away. Oh, he's guilty of this. Click. He's guilty of this. 
oh, he should deserve three, three years in for this and all these things. But in reality, Jesus is just like, if you will give me what you can give me, I will take care of the rest. If you've got to replace it with this, son and daughter, I'm proud of you because you're moving toward glory. You're going from glory to glory. And you may say, that sounds sacrilegious. Well, at one stage of my life, I was addicted to heroin, but now I'm just addicted to cigarettes. Well, now let's move it a little bit further because if last time I checked, sanctification was a process. Sometimes it's an overnight thing, but if you ever lose the process of sanctification in your life, then you have lost your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach it like it is. Y'all may not want to hear it, but it's here. Because last time I checked, we all dealt with all kinds of junk. It's just a continual process. It says iron sharpens iron. It didn't say iron completely heals it. It says it continually sharpens iron. We go from glory to glory. That may mean that last year you were addicted to this, but this year you've got a lesser addiction on your life and you may do it less than you did last year. Praise God for the progress. Some, it's time that the church celebrates their neighbors. It's time that the church gets off their high horse and says, I may not understand exactly what you're going through, but if you've got some progress on your life, then you've got some Christ on your life. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. It's, it's all right. It's, it's good. It'll be fine. So chemical addiction can actually rewire your brain to believe certain things that are okay. It can destroy, kill, and even push you to depression, suicide, anxiety, you name it. So you, you're like, okay, I thought this was a mental health series. They said it the best. That addiction is just a byproduct of trying to fill something up that is empty. If you're feeling depressed and suicidal, constantly feeling anxious, and a drug get, get, relieves all of that, it makes a little bit of sense why they're addicted to it when you think of it that way. When you are tormented day and night with depress, depressive thoughts, with suicidal thoughts, with voices in your head telling you, just end it, you're not worth anything. And they can get relief by putting a substance in their body. It makes a little bit of sense. When the church starts to look at addiction from that aspect, we'll see compassion enter the house. You may say, well, you sound like you're getting on to the church. I'm not trying to get on to the church. I'm just trying to get the church to wake up. Because when the church wakes up, that's when we see revival. But anyways, because we've been in such a slumber for so long that pastors are scared to preach this. And when preachers begin to preach on it, we get theologians that come into the room and try to pick apart everything that the pastor said. But in all reality, we just need somebody that's going to be willing to get into the dirt and get dirty with somebody else. Because last time I checked, stripes on a back weren't clean. They wore a pressed shirt with a tie on and a suit on the Sunday morning. It looked like blood. It looked like sweat. It looked like a crown of thorns. It looked like nails going into the hands and feet of my Savior. It was not pretty. It got a little dirty and a little messy. And if the church would stand up and get messy with those who are already messed up, we would start to see freedom happen in the house. So I'm here to preach to the church and I'm about to get onto the men. Onto you, I'm hoping it's freedom. But anyways, y'all understand my heart. But I'm believing in this series and in this time that you will understand that the reason that there are addictions in your life is because you're actually trying to fill the void that they talked about and the only person that can fill this void is Jesus Christ. There's not a wife. There's not a boyfriend. There's not a girlfriend. There's not a substance. There's not a sex act. There's nothing that can fill in that gap other than the cross and the crucifixion and the blood of Jesus Christ. So when the church can finally get off of its high horse and say, oh, you're just pious and you're, you're just, a, just a peasant. You know, I mean, for real. When, when are brothers and sisters going to lock arms and say, hey, you can open up. Because you want to know one of the hardest things for, I'm very intentional because I've been able to do it, thank God. I, was, I never had it one-on-one um, -on -one in my life. But I did have family in my life that I would consider that discipled me for sure. This is not my water. But 
One of the hardest things to overcome in discipleship a lot of times, especially with people who grew up in church, is to finally open up. Is to actually open up and say, here's my junk. I need help with it. That's the hardest part. And I'm about to release something to you real quick. Um, (laughs) You want to know the people that I pray for the hardest when I send out text messages during the week or whatever? And I ask them, how can I pray for you? And say, I can't think of anything. I probably pray for you the hardest. Because that lets me know immediately that you don't feel like you have an outlet to me. And I feel like I've done a wrong job on not letting you understand that you have complete freedom to release all your junk. So the people that I end up praying for the hardest are the ones who say, no, I don't have anything for you to pray about. Because it's a lie. And we're trying to cover up and hold on to things that are actually probably tormenting our lives. So, <laughs> everybody's going to be like, oh, okay, I got, I, got to tell, I got to tell Pastor Colton something now. Or else he's going to really, really be praying for me. Now, it's, it's just revealing of the heart and, and character of, well, not necessarily character, but the social standards of what the church has done to people. Okay. Because we are called to be in community with people. We are called to walk alongside people in their journeys. I challenge you to look at the Chosen series, watch the Chosen series. And a lot of extra biblical text in there that they've got. But look at the characters and the way that they depict the disciples. It will really open your eyes to see that oh, if God can use somebody like them, He can really use somebody like me. Okay. Behavioral addiction can be anything from gambling to an obsessive compulsive disorder about something. I'll be the first to tell you, I've also dealt with a lot of students who have OCD and their food had to be particularly in a certain way. You had to mash up their mandarin oranges in a certain way. I had a kid who I tried fooling with uh, Dollar General brand Honey honey Nut uh, Cheerios. He let me know very quickly that he knew it was an off-brand and that he would not be eating or accepting the fake Honey Nut Cheerios so that I needed to go to Dollar General right now and go get the real brand with the bee on it with the little honey thing. So I knew really quickly and found out very quick that I was in the wrong for doing something like that. But even something as much as OCD like that is a form of addiction. Because if it's not done the exact way, if it's not done this particular way, is anybody like that? I am like that. Like, I, I'm like, okay, um, I'm, I'm <laughs> if I've got a schedule, there is, there is a reason that I don't tell our pastors a specific time on how we're going to do service. Um, because if we didn't go on it, your pastor would have a nervous breakdown. I would not be crying in the floor to the Holy Spirit. I'd be crying in the floor like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? No, I realize we're a Pentecostal church and I cannot give anybody time frames in here because I like to let the Holy Spirit move. But if I did, you would see me probably be like, What's go-? I'd start twitching, all this stuff. <laughs> but that's a form of behavioral addiction. This is where it's about to get very, very serious. It's been serious before, um, and I believe in freedom for chemical addictions in this house, and I believe in for every addiction to be freed, and that you can start your journey toward freedom, because we have teamed up with counselors in this community. If you need any help with any counseling, we've got them. We've linked up with them. We've got uh, someone from Life Chapel who owns a counseling uh, business, and we've teamed up with them, and we'll help you get everything that you need. We're not against that. You can love Jesus and still have a counselor. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay? Anyways, I'll break that religious spirit off too. So, what I'm about to say and what we're about to view is the new drug of this age. And I'm probably going to get very, very... Um, 
I guess the only reason, the only way I know how to describe it is just to describe it. I'm probably going to get very angry sounding with it because I'm tired of this demon attacking our generation. I'm sick of this demon. This demon has crept up in to our young men's homes, young men's bedrooms, young women's bedrooms. It's creeped up into the iPhones. It's creeped up into everything that you can do. All you have to do is type out three or four letters on your Google search and you are captivated and you are hooked. And this demon is called pornography. And I'm coming against it this morning. I've seen it destroy. I've seen it take over the minds of young men. I've seen it destroy marriages. I've seen it destroy people's every aspect of life. And I'm coming against it. This is a behavioral addiction. And it's about to get really real. Reach over your shoulder and buckle up. Okay, go ahead and play that video for me. Pornhub is the largest and most popular porn. This video just gives us a small snippet of what this generation is pouring its money, time, and resources into. I'm about to give you statistics on this because I'm about to blow every freaking societal standard that has said watching pornography is normal. I beg to absolutely flip and deliver that this is not what God created us for. God did not create us to watch this junk. And you may say, well, how is this even in the Bible? I'm going to get to it in the Bible. I'm going to get to it in the Bible. There is a word called porneia that is within the Bible. Y'all are like, oh, I didn't know it was in the Bible. Yeah, that's where we get the word pornography from because it was found within the Bible and it's, well, the Greek language, not within the Bible. But that's where we get the word pornography from and that's where we see Samson absolutely loses every bit of his strength because before he met Delilah, he he had put himself into a situation of porneia. Y'all don't want to hear this. So, so we, see, we see that before he even gets with this, this girl, this, this seductive Delilah, and this person who is supposed to care for him and give him all of his needs, and, and all of a sudden, he's lost every bit of his strength and literally ends up having to kill himself. We look at King David. We talk about him... Um, looking at the woman showering and ends up losing some things and ends up like, like losing the traction of his, of his holiness. You want to know what the root word was then for looking at the woman? It was pernea. We look at Solomon. Before everything that, everything that happened to him, what was the root before his demise? Pornea. Kingdoms literally fell under this demonic attack. And you may say, this is a new thing. Uh, We just deal with it now. There's nothing in Scripture about it. No, Scripture warned of it thousands of years ago because it destroyed kingdoms. I've heard people and I've sat with people and talk to people who have been addicted to pornography. And like some of the things that they say to me, I'm like, okay, well, where are you getting this? One of the things, and here's, I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you. I'm very uncomfortable with talking about this. My stomach's already turning, but it's got to be said. Okay. That one of the main reasons that people will argue that pornography is okay is because it helps people find out what they like sexually. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm about to give you some pornography facts. As high as 80% of the pornography that is out there 
is a result or direct tie to involuntary human trafficking of some kind. As much as 80% of the videos that are out there are a direct result or some form of tie to human trafficking. Porn actors who are willingly in the business, their suicide rate is as high as 65%. Porn is the leading and driving factor behind a significant increase in erectile dysfunction and its associated medication cells in men. It's a direct indicator for divorce with a 300% increased likelihood for divorce in the home. 300%. This is the one that really, really got me. Because I see it in so many, so many people that the reward system of the brain, which is the amygdala, can actually be stunted on its growth by up to 15%. In a male's brain, they did study on it, in a teenage boy's brain, by up to 15% before they turn 18 years old. So that by the time that they become a man and get into the home and uh, become a husband, they don't have the happiness or the brain receptors to receive the happiness and joy that comes with normal day activities because pornography has stunted the growth of the amygdala in the brain, which is the reward system of the brain. You may say, why are you telling me all of these crazy, crazy things? If the band would go ahead and come on up, I'm going to get to the scriptures here in just a second. Because as a youth pastor, I cannot tell you how many people I sat down with, me and India alike, who told us that the addiction that was killing them was pornography. With the youngest that I have ever dealt with being exposed to pornography at seven years old, It is an addiction that is destroying this generation. But I've come by to tell you a little bit about Jesus. that I know that there's a generation rising up that's no longer going to be addicted to a screen, but they're going to be addicted to the one who created all things. And he created that sex would be something beautiful within the consent of a marriage. It would be something so beautiful that the men would rise up once again. And I know it's not just men. I know it's women, but I'm here to talk to the men for a second because I'm tired of the church house being filled with women more so than it is the men. Leading Because statistics show that if the man comes to the altar, that if the man comes to the altar, that the family follows at a 500% rate increase. So it's time that the man stands up because the devil of pornography and sexual abuse, and pornography is a direct relationship to rape. Pornography is a direct relationship to any sexual abuse that you may encounter. You want to talk about somebody sexually abusing you? I could almost guarantee you that they were addicted to porn several years before they decided that they were going to sexually abuse you. Get off of the computer. Get into the word of God. Stand up and rise up and take the mantle that God has placed before you. Be the man of God that he's called you to be. Get up out of the junk. Get up out of the sexual immorality because the scripture that I read says that no sexual immorality shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's an addiction and we rebuke it and we renounce it in the mighty name of Jesus. I cannot, oh my good gosh, I'm going to go against it. I've seen it almost destroy my life and I refuse to let it see other people's lives destroyed. I refuse to let it see your life destroyed. If everyone would stand all across this place.
Go ahead and put that first scripture up. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it's from the world. That's 1 John 2, 16. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. This could be anything from the chemical addiction to the behavioral addiction of pornography. And the reason I'm harping on it is because I know that it's so prevalent even inside the church. But let me go to the next one. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. Let us be sober in what we do. Guys, you can be drunken with pornography. You can be high off of it. You can be high off your sexual addiction. But he's telling us to be sober. Go to the next one. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the, for the helmet, the hope of salvation. Go to the next one. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has already overcome it. He's already overcome it. You may say, this, this seems so weird to even talk about, but I want you to realize that <laughs> this is such a sad statistic, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but those who, those who actually go through with suicide, I think the statistic said that 75% of them were deeply addicted to pornography. It's a killer. I don't care what any flipping sex education teacher tries to tell you. It's a killer. It is not something just to help you experiment and understand your body with. I'm coming after it now. It is not something that is just to be so lightly taken because all your buddies are doing it in the locker room. It is not something lightly to be taken because last time I checked, I wanted my wife to understand she had every bit of part of me and that includes every bit of my body as well. I wanted her to understand that she has me, not some computer stream. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Nothing. This is not even. You're like, porn's not in the Bible. I just proved it wrong. Pornea, look it up. It's not. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and we will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you might be able to endure it. Go through it. Go through it. And what I mean by that is I want you to open the door to exposure. Because when you open the door to exposure and you finally decide to walk through the threshold of exposure, that's when you start your journey toward freedom. You can sit there and look at a car all day long and say, oh, that's a nice car. I like that it's got this engine in it. It's got this much horsepower in it. But if you never open the door and you don't sit down inside of it and at least try to learn, you may have to go in a parking lot by yourself where there's no other distractions. Are y'all hearing me? You may have to go into the parking lot and drive around it, learn how to parallel park, and then back into a parking space, drive into one. That's exactly what addiction looks like. You have to open the door to admittance, and then when you finally sit in the seat, there's going to be somebody in the passenger seat who's going to help you navigate the way. And it may look like an empty parking lot at first. But it's not because he's with you the entire way. All of it. Go to the next one for me. And do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Go ahead. And addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Go ahead. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, instead of giving in. Like I told y'all. That we have to actively reach and we have to actively go. And tell our negative thoughts where to go. And start to create some positive thoughts and actively reach 
toward the goal, which is the feet of Jesus. Actively reaching toward the feet of Jesus. But we've got to open the door to actively reach to the feet of Jesus. You may say, this just sounds like a big old counseling session. Well, last time I checked, I believe he's called Wonderful Counselor, isn't he? So open the door to admittance when you hold yourself back and you never let it out to someone. Yeah, it eats you alive and it kills you. It eats you alive and it kills you. Go to the next one. Oh yeah, there we go. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So pushing through produces a form of endurance. Endurance gives us that hope that comes straight from the Father. So what I'm asking, you may say, what, what is this? How is this altar call going to even work? It's going to be different. Thank you for listening to this message. If you are struggling with an addiction, please do not hesitate to reach out to Church at the Vineyard. We will do everything in our power to offer you hope by praying with you and connecting you to local resources to help you on your journey.